Good morning. I'm Vicki Chapman, and if you'll take a look in your bulletin, our prayer focus for this week is the Ministry of Prayer. And I can't think of a better way to start 2016 than in prayer. Uh, in Matthew, uh, Jesus states in Matthew 21:13, he says, "My house will be called a house of prayer." Um, in looking at the ministry of prayer, just read over the scriptures that David has put there for us, and then also the prayer request. Um, also, if you do have a prayer request, you can go on the city and submit a prayer request, and you will have the whole body to pray for your needs. Um, I'm very passionate about prayer, and I just, um, I think that sometimes people say that um, you don't know what to say when you pray, but I think it's just a heart conversation to God. He wants, he knows your heart, and it's just a heart-to-heart talk, and sometimes it can be just one word, and sometimes it's just a tear rolling down your cheek. So um, I want us to enter prayer today in silence a few minutes, and then I've asked uh, Allison to pray for some of the requests, and, and then I'll close. So let us pray. Father, we come to you and we just um, praise your holy name, Father, that you are the God most high and the God who is able. Father, when we think about that Jesus got up early in the morning to pray, it just breaks my heart that I don't have a heart for prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, who was sinless. Father, I just pray in 2016 that we will become closer to you and greet you every morning in prayer, Father. I lift up the needs of our families. Um, Kim Mobley, um, I pray for her family and also David and, of course, Sweet Callie, Father, ongoing prayer for the Moody family. Father, just, just lift us up, Father, and help us as the disciples ask you to teach us to pray. Just have a passion and a love for one another, Father, and that in 2016, as says, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in us, and help others to see that. And all these things we ask in your precious. Good morning. Yeah, all right. You guys are alive. That's good. You're awake. Well, welcome to Grace. My name is Ricky. I'm the youth director here. And uh, for those of you who normally come, you know that I'm not usually the guy that's up here. Uh, Pastor Brad will be returning to the pulpit next week, and we'll be diving back into our series uh, in, in the book of Hebrews. I'm really looking forward to that. So I'm grateful to get to, to preach this morning, and that you guys uh, made it up and survived the holidays. No firework injuries or anything like that, or overload on dips and little sausages or whatever you eat. But, well, man... Humbled to get to be here with you guys this morning. We are so glad, if this is your first time, that you have come and chosen to worship with the people of grace. Um, You will find out we are a gracious people, I feel like, because the Lord has showed us so much grace. So we are people that come together, that seek the Lord daily, together, 
in our lives. As you just got the experience a few minutes ago, we, we, we pray with one another. And the prayer just doesn't stop in this, in this room right here, but the bulletins are to go home with you so that you can pray throughout the week. We have the city where last night Keisha post up a request at night. Everyone gets that if you want to join on, online, and you can pray for each other throughout the week. We're a people who seek the Lord together on behalf of one another um, as a way of life because we know we are people that need the Lord. Um, we agree on that. We gather together um, showing that love to one another that God has, has shown us. So I'm grateful that you guys get to share in that this morning. That this is your first time here. But as we begin this new year, I want you to consider something for those of you who have been attending for a while. I want you to consider joining a home group. And you might say, oh, here it goes again. If you come here for any length of time, you get hammered and hammered. Home group, home group. You guys are probably tired of it. But I want you guys to consider joining a home group. Whenever you become a member of Grace, it's not just you reaching out and shaking the hand of the church. And I'm committing to you. The church is also grabbing your hand and committing to you. Not only do they grab your hand and commit to you, they grab you and they pull you in. Have you ever went to shake someone's hand and they, they pull you in for a hug and you're not ready for it? You're like, whoa, okay, okay. Trying to hug them, make it, trying to not feel awkward. The church grabs you and they commit to you as well. It's just not a one-sided thing. Our elders here at Grace, they are committed to your discipleship. And they have a plan for your discipleship. I don't know if you know that or not. They have an intentional plan and it's sermon-based small groups. What we call home groups. So that the word, when we gather here on Sunday mornings to hear the word proclaimed, it just doesn't rest in these seats, but it goes out into your life. You wrestle with it, you chew on it for a few days, or some of you meet on Sunday nights, you get back together, you discuss it, you pray through it, and you, you work it out. Um, the plan for discipleship is through home groups at Grace. So as we begin 2016, I want you to consider as a family, I'm asking you to consider, visit a home group or two. All right, if you come visit a home group, they're not going like, to lock you in and never let you leave. You can visit a few of them. All right, visit a few that work with your time and location and stuff like that, and uh, consider committing to a home group in 2016. You can find out home groups by either um, going to our website. There's a list, locations, times, child care, not child care, snacks, coffee. Um, also out in the lobby, turn left, go to the welcome room. There's a sheet of paper that has all the home groups uh, listed there as well. So we're going to jump right to it this morning. A lot to cover in the passage we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. So you guys go ahead and open up, get to there. 2 Peter, chapter 1, flip there in your devices if you're doing that. Let me adjust this thing. All right, there we go. As you guys are flipping open to that this morning, I want you to consider what it is you're committing to. What is it you're committing to this year? What's your resolutions um, this year? Most of you have probably already decided on your goals. You've already started the journey of trying to accomplish them. You may be like me, and Friday night um, or Friday morning, you woke up, and you're like, all right, I'm going to do this, and then by Friday night, you eat something you're not supposed to, and you're like, ah, I mean, it's the weekend. You need to start on Monday anyway, right? Everything really needs to start on Monday, so you give yourself a grace period, so today's the last day, okay? Today's the last day. Some of you may be like me, but think about the goals that you have. Whatever it is, though, you have to make a plan. You have to make a plan. You have to work toward it. I've never made it to the end of a year and realized that I accidentally lost weight. Maybe some of you guys have. That's not me. I have to plan. I've never made it to the end of the year and realized, wait a second, did I just read the Bible all the way through? It doesn't happen that way. Normally, you have to work toward it. You have to set a goal. You have to work at it. But what about when it comes to the Christian life? 
Right? What about when it comes to living a godly life? Do we have to work to live a godly life? Or is it the Holy Spirit only that comes in you and then works about inside of you a godly life? How, how can the Holy Spirit and our efforts work together or exist together when it comes to living a godly life? This is a tough question. And it's the one we're wrestling with this morning. And it's the one you're going to continue to wrestle with as you go to a home group and pray through. But I can assure you that they do exist together. The work of the Holy Spirit, our efforts, they do exist together. So let's begin this morning by standing up, as is our custom here at Grace, and work our way through these verses in the book of 2 Peter. Chapter 1, starting with verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, in virtue with knowledge, in knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are a feeble people coming to you this morning, asking you that you will help us believe and rest in the fact that what is required for salvation has been accomplished through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Give us faith to believe. Lord, give us grace to obey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. So if you were to receive something in this world, it, it doesn't come freely, right? You guys know that. If you need something, you have to work to earn it. You have to work for your shelter. You have to work for your clothes. You have to work for your food. You have to work for whatever it is you're going to receive. <laughs> Our lives are spent working are spent earning. Even most of us, we are working in one way or another, whether we realize it or not, to earn even love, to earn acceptance, maybe to earn companionship. And you know what? It tires you out because your life is spent working, 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 trying to earn, get someone to look, get someone to notice. Let this time count. And I've got to make it count by working to do my best to earn. And when it comes to this new year and we think about resolutions and what's, what's on the road ahead, many of you, you're not ready to begin this new year that's already started. Honestly, when you think about it, you, you're not so sure you can muster up enough strength to make it another 365 days. Maybe you don't even have enough concern to continue in this year. Are you tired Many of you are tired of working, working, working. 
And if this is you, I have good news for you today. And I want you to hear this. There is rest for you. If you're weary, there is rest for the weary. You're worshiping with the feeble people this morning that are living examples that God loves to give to the undeserving. He loves to give to the tired. He loves to give to those who are unsure and feel defeated. We're a church that's a living example of that. Just as my children live life every day, my four kids who are young, they have no concept of what we provide for them. They have no idea what would happen if we were to just disappear off the planet. I want us to be like them. I want us to be a church that lives so dependently on the Lord that we contently forget that there's any other way to live. Talk about freedom. Now, this rest that I speak of, don't be confused. It's not an immobile rest. It's actually a rest that works contently and joyfully. And you may say rest and work, how, those are opposites. That's an oxymoron. How can, how can that happen? It doesn't seem to make sense. Well, rest for me is give me some knots and turn on some music and let me untie them. Right? Give me some double knots, your best ones. I'll, I'll work it out. Um, rest, that's, that's torture for some of you guys. I'll do that. Bring me all your knots. I'll untie them. Just leave me alone and let me untie them. Don't try to talk to me while I'm untying them. Just leave me alone. And rest for April is grabbing the crossword puzzle that our neighbor brings to us every day in the Sudoku, Sudoku however you say that. I don't even know. And she sits in the corner and she works them out on the couch. It's miserable for me. I have no chance. I've never answered a crossword puzzle in my life. So that's, that's, it just depends on how you look at it. All right, what's your perspective? What's your goal? That's what helps determine if it's rest or work for you. And as you begin this new year, I'm praying that your work will turn into rest, actually. I'm asking that you will go ahead and give up. And you may ask, what? Give up? What kind of New Year's message is this? I'm asking you to give yourself up. We have a Father who gives good gifts, but many of us are too prideful to accept what he gives to us. We won't give up and take it. Do you know anyone like that? You tried to give someone something they need and they just won't take it? Wives are like, yes, husband, <laughs> directions, or whatever it is. You just won't take it. Wives, you have your things too, right? I have a wife. She's perfect, though. Uh, not really. <laughs> but you just won't... You know people that just won't take whatever it is they need. You try to freely give it. (laughs) We are a prideful people, but God freely gives to us everything that we need. He says, stop. Stop working to earn when it comes to me. Stop faking to impress me. No more expectations to be met. Why? Because God loves the people that show up and say, I'm done. I'm done. I can't go any farther. I'm, I, all I can do is fall on my knees. I give up. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm incapable. I'm unlovable. And if these are your thoughts, you may be thinking, that sounds like defeat. And maybe that's what you feel this morning. But I want you to know that you are actually closer to victory than you have ever been. So let's begin this new year owning our needs. Let's be real. Let's own our incapabilities, our failures. And this means that we no longer look around to others to blame. 
all right? We no longer hide behind our unfair lot in life. We no longer give excuses. God wants us to stop trying to impress him, to surrender, and just enjoy what he's trying to give. Let's begin this new year accepting we have issues and we need saving. We need a savior, and that's why we just celebrated He won't leave you broken. He won't leave you alone. He won't leave you defeated. Not if you cry out to him. There is rest for the weary. This is the good news of the gospel. So let's start to walk through these verses here, starting with verse number three. It's going to be up on the screen for you. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So here's what I want for us in 2016. What Peter wants for the people he's writing to, spiritual maturity, to grow in godliness. But I wanted to be sure that we talked about rest before we started talking about being godly. Because the deal is, if I were to come in here and to talk about, let's be godly in 2016, I ought to pump you all up, and And you go out here and you get in your car, you're going to be devastated before you reach the end of Harnett Central. Somebody's going to tick you off. Somebody's going to disappoint you. Something's going to happen. You're going to be devastated. That's because you can't be godly in your own power. This is why we have to constantly remind ourselves of our need of God. That's that's part of what we do together as a church. That's that's even what happens in a marriage. You're reminded you're not perfect when you're married to someone, right? And you remind them they're not perfect. (laughs) But that's, that's, that's that's how it works. We are agreeing that we need the Lord. We need his grace. We need to remind one another. Because if not, we end up pursuing godliness, pursuing the Lord all on our own. And we end up making the law the goal. We end up making our good works the goal. And you know what? We can never be perfect. So we end up just devastated. You can't be godly in your own power. See, So you may be thinking, okay, Ricky, so you tell me to give up at the new year, and now you're telling me to be godly, but it's not even possible. Exactly. It's not on your own, in your own power. So how can we be godly as Peter calls us to be? Now I want you guys to listen co- closely, especially as we walk through these next two verses, because they are dense. They are packed. I didn't realize that whenever um, I was this, I'd chosen the scripture, Pastor Brad had suggested it, but wow, they're packed. So once again, another plug for home group, because I can't cover it all. But a lot packed in here. Starting off, God's divine power gives you life and godliness. How? How does God's divine power give you life and godliness? It's through the knowledge of him who calls. So this is not just a call of invitation, okay? And today in our world, you call, they can answer or they're not, or they they don't have to. I mean, technically, you can't make me do it, is what people would say, even a lot of kids. Yes, I can. But anyway, um, to my kids, Uh, When we think of a call, it's like you get to choose or not. But this is not the type of call the author has in mind. The author has in mind a call that awakens one to faith, that creates faith. Let me tell you, whenever God calls, you answer. Okay? There is no denying the Lord. Whenever he calls, you answer. In this call, the author has in mind the knowledge of this call that he has awakened in me Faith to believe. This is an effectual call. 
And the means to godliness is already ours if you are awakened to respond in faith to God. Remember, he's already provided for them, them for you, all things pertaining to life and godliness. And you may think, whoa, what? But think about the world. Naturally, when you look at the world, what's happening? Are people running to God, begging him to look at them and choose them? No. The world is running away from God. They're defying God. Man left to himself is running away from God. Man left to himself has no hope. What happens when you're left to yourself? You have a stepfather who shoots and kills his 19-year-old stepson four miles from here. The world doesn't want to please God. The world's running away from God. But God, in his grace, he reaches out and he calls and he saves some. God is a gracious God. It's adoption. It's beautiful. It's grace. So to what has he called us? He has called us to his own glory and excellence. Some of you feel alone. Some of you this morning feel like you go after year after year unnoticed. And you're thinking, okay, another 365 days, they're still not going to remember my name. I'm going to be in the same position at work, and people are going to wave at me like they don't know who I am. Another year of going unnoticed. But that's not true. That's not true if the Lord is calling you to see his excellence and glory. He sees you, and he chooses you, and he wants you to respond to him. God desires you. You haven't gone unnoticed by Jesus. So his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Verse 4 by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So because God is a great God of of glory and excellence, there are precious and very great promises. And to think about these promises, I mean, I get excited about a pocket knife that I get for Christmas. As a child of God, I have the great Precious promises of God. And what are these promises? Well, surely there, there are many that are ours through Christ, but ultimately there's salvation. That's ours. And I have no doubt that these great and precious promises, they're not, just, they're not just for the future. They're not just yours to come. But as children of God, we get to enjoy the gifts right now. We get to start enjoying what the, what the Lord has for us. There's an already but not yet aspect to these, to these promises. As Christians, we have the promise to be delivered from the power of sin, but yet we still struggle with sin. I do. I'm sure you do as well. It's this already but this not yet. Another plug for the ESV Study Bible, you'll hear that a lot as well if you come here. Um, there's, there's articles all throughout. I encourage you to get one if you don't have one. It's like 25 bucks for a hard copy edition. Um, if you already have the ESV Study Bible, you've worked through it, I encourage you to pick up a Gospel Transformation Bible. It's really good as well. We, 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 we have both. But there's an article in the ESV Study Bible that's entitled, God's Plan for Salvation. And it says this, Christians have been saved from the penalty of sins but we are currently being saved from the power of sin. And one day when God's plan of salvation is completed and we are with Christ, we shall be like him 
and we shall be saved even from the very presence of sin. So these promises are already, but they're not yet. So these promises, many of them, ultimately leading to our salvation, have begun and they will be completed. We are becoming partakers of the divine nature through these promises. Once again, talking about good gifts. You're not having to wait until next Christmas to open the gifts. God gives his children gifts all the time, freely, because he has plans for them. The gifts never end. So the becoming a partaker of the divine nature, no, this is not you becoming God. Okay, this is not you being deified. This is you sharing in the holiness of God, okay, not his being. So as you're taking on the divine nature, you're also escaping the corruption of the world because of your sinful desires. I don't know about you, but I am sick of the corruption of this world because of sinful desires. We see it everywhere. As I just mentioned earlier, what we've been praying for this family, this tragedy that happened just a few miles down the road, this family losing their son. But I don't have to look even out to see the corruption that's in this world. I just have to look in. And I'm sick and tired of seeing the corruption and the sinful desires that are inside of me. Christians are grieved by the sin we see in others, but we're grieved even more by the sin that we still have to wrestle with. This is because people who come to know the Lord, their desires are transformed, and they no longer want the sickness inside of them anymore. They don't enjoy it. It doesn't feel as good as it used to. You see, our desires have been changed to love goodness and holiness. But those of the world, they love evil. And it feels good to them. I want you to consider beginning this new year right now at the beginning, as a child would do. I want you to collapse in the arms of Jesus. In humble dependence, admitting that you are powerless and trusting that he's got it. You no longer have to please God to earn his favor. You no longer have to try to catch his eye or to get his ear. Jesus has come to you and he's waiting for you to give up, to fall into his arms so that he can make you godly. Stop hiding from him. He wants us to trust him and contently enjoy his gifts. So being empowered by God, let's resolve to be a godly people in 2016 who rest in the grace of God, stumbling forward to Jesus together. So the next time you let someone down, and it will happen, I don't want you to be crushed because you find out again that you're not perfect. All right? I want you to just collapse in Jesus' arms. The next time someone lets you down and you're disappointed that they're not perfect, just be reminded and collapse in Jesus' arms, because you need him. The next time you feel the pain of this world and the unfairness that it brings, I want you to collapse in Jesus' assuring arms, knowing that he's not surprised and that he will not drop you and rest in him. He will not let you down. So knowing that God provides the power for life and godliness, let's move on to verses 5 through 7. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, 
and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So we know that God provides for us all things that are needed for life and godliness. I think we have covered that, that God provides this power of the Holy Spirit to everyone who is a Christian. So let me once again remind you, he graciously gives what he requires, okay? He gives what he requires. So now what? You have the Holy Spirit, you are holy, and you just live and exist and be holy, you're complete, that's it? No, not, not quite. It doesn't work that way. So this is not an easy passage, as you were seeing, as we come to our question again of which is it? Is it the work of the Holy Spirit, or is it our good works? Well, it's clear that God provides the power for godliness. But it's also clear that we are responsible to live godly lives. It's this, this tension. So for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So let me say one more time, so I want you to be sure to get this. In case you're sweating this faith thing, can I have it? God even provides the faith for you. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. Because God makes provision for us to be godly. Peter is saying here, let's get to it. All right? He's saying, make every effort. Let's be eager. Let's be zealous. Come on, be diligent. He's saying, let's get to it. Because God has provided what is needed, be godly. Be godly. So supplement your faith with virtue. And this virtue is goodness, all right? And this goodness can be, this virtue can be translated as moral excellence, which we saw in verse 3, all right? So just as God is moral excellent, you too be morally excellent. Because you are God's, you be like God. And your virtue with knowledge. And this knowledge is not the same as the last verse. The knowledge is not the knowledge of the call of God, but this is just practical, the knowledge of the Lord's will. (laughs) Knowing what to do to make God-glorifying decisions, knowing his will, and knowledge with self-control, knowing God's, knowing what God wants you to do as well, all right? Knowing when temptation is happening and knowing when to say no to sin. Christians ought to know when to say no to sin. Christians are to call sin what it is, sin. And it, it won't make you popular, but it will make you godly. Self-control with steadfastness, endurance. Christians stand firm amidst trials. We're not surprised whenever trials come, but we, in a way that looks crazy to the world, we welcome them knowing that we deserve nothing better and that somehow through these trials we can identify, we can share in the sufferings of Christ. So we are steadfast with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So being empowered by God, let's be a godly people in 2016 who resolve to make every effort to pursue virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. While God has granted us the power to do so, remember all things, it is clear that we have a responsibility to be a godly people and to be godly in all aspects of life. That's clear. So if you're standing out there, sitting out there, and you're hearing me say this, if you're hearing me say, all right, people, muster up. If you're hearing me say, come on, get it together. 
If you're hearing me say, figure it out, ship up or shape out, if that's what you're hearing, then you are not hearing the glorious heart of God. That's not it. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from his former sins. So remember verse 3. I keep giving you this check because we need this. God provides all things for life and godliness. You possess them. So as a child of God, you have implanted inside of you the Holy Spirit. Okay, God is saying your, stu- your closet is stocked for all that you need to be a part of this family. But listen to this. God does not call you to be a part of his family just so that you can sit around and be idle and be content with just faith alone. God has so much more for his children than just fire insurance. His plan is so much bigger than that. If you're content to just be saved so that you won't have to go to hell, then I'm asking you, why do you want to go to heaven? What is it you want to go to heaven for? What are you looking forward to? Is Jesus your prize or is it it really just you? That's your concern. Well, it's important not to want to go to hell James has a word for those who are just content to have faith only. He says that faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. Christians have works because they are becoming partakers of the divine nature. They increase in godliness. They change. They show these qualities. They are effective. They are fruitful. So let's stop, let's stop right here for just a, a second. And let me, let me tell you, Peter's audience here in this passage, he's writing to the people warning them of false teachers. Okay, so he's writing to them saying, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. And he's saying, people here, they claim to be Christians, but they don't live like it. You see, they're ineffective, they're not fruitful, there's no evidence, there's no maturing. They say they've been cleansed of their sins, but they still enjoy the corruption of the world. You see, and they still satisfy their sinful desires, they still have them. But he's saying there's no of the divine nature without also escaping the corruption of the world and the sinful desires of the flesh. You see, Christians grow to hate their sin. But some of you here today, you're not growing to hate your sin because salvation to you was just purchasing fire insurance, but you didn't realize that the policy is only good for those who are part of the family. Christians grow to hate their sin, but some of you are just trying to hide it. Those of us who are saved and Christians, man, we're not who we're going to be. That's for sure. But we're also not who we once were. Children of God are maturing. They're changing. They're becoming partakers of the divine nature. Now, some of you lack these qualities because you've forgotten 
what it means to be cleansed from your sins. Some of you are blinded. You've chosen to close your eyes. You want to shut your eyes. You want to blind yourself to the truth of the gospel because you claim you've had your sins forgiven, but yet you don't want to mature spiritually. You willingly blind yourself, closing your eyes. And Peter, he has a warning here for these people. Peter has a warning for the people who say their sins have been forgiven, they've been cleansed, but yet they're not maturing spiritually. You know what he says? He says they're fake. But on the other hand, there's some of you here today who I was talking to earlier. This isn't you, but you're, but you're frustrated. Some of you here are, are frustrated because you're just trying. And you tell me, Ricky, I can't get it right, and I want to. I want to please God so much, but I just can't get it right. Maybe you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe, I mean, you might as well try to turn on these lights whenever there's no power as to try to be holy without the Holy Spirit. No wonder you're frustrated. John Calvin says, with regard to those who fill in themselves the efficacious working of the Spirit, Peter bids them to take courage as to the future. Because the Lord has laid in them a solid foundation and a true and sure calling. If you're the one this morning saying, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm incapable, and I'm unlovable, and I just don't know if I can go anymore, then thank God that you are admitting your inevitable defeat. Give up. The power of God is available to you if you will give up. You have to give yourself up so that you can have Jesus. You can't have both. Verses 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail, never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So just as we read to make every effort, we're spurred on here in verse 10 to to be diligent in confirming our calling and election. All right, and the elective call of God, it comes from God. And man's works prove or disprove it. This is a tough passage. And it may sound like a contradiction, okay? It's, 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 it's tough. It's what we call an antinomy, which means they're, they're two truths that don't contradict, but they don't completely reconcile with one another either. So when we, we go back to our question we started with, well, do you have to work to live a godly life? Or does a godly life just come about through the power of the Holy Spirit for those who believe Can effort and the Holy Spirit exist together? How does that work? I agree with Douglas Moo, who says, God elects, but I must believe. God preserves me until the end, but I must put to death the misdeeds of the body if I hope to find eternal life. You see, both are taught in Scripture. And we must affirm both if we're to remain biblical. So our effort confirms if we're truly a child of God. They exist together. God richly provides for his children. 
Here we see it again. The grace of God he loves to give to an undeserving people who know they are undeserving and he gives them entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because God is a God of great glory and excellence, there are precious and very great promises. All things granted to us that pertain to life and godliness. So as we, as we close up, I want you to remember, as always with every service, some of you today may, you just need to pray with someone, you want to talk, you have some questions. There's always a couple of church leaders who are assigned weekly to be in the welcome room out here. Exit out the foyer, turn left. There's some guys who would love to talk with you, pray, listen, answer questions you have. But in 2016, let's be a people, a church who being empowered by God, who let's resolve to rest in the power of God, to make every effort and to confirm our calling and election. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you give us what we need in 2016. Give us the power to be godly. Give us the humility to rest. The grace to make every effort. And the privilege to confirm our calling and election. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Ricky. What a great way to begin the year with the truths that um, rattle around in our minds as followers of Jesus Christ and we don't know how to reconcile them. That was a wonderful job of helping us understand our weakness as power. Um, That's really the gospel. And we are going to affirm our belief in the gospel at the Lord's table. I'll ask all the elders and deacons who are leading in uh, serving communion, if you would, to come forward. And as they come, I will tell you in just a moment, after the table is set, um, we will come forward to receive communion. There will be four stations. Uh, You'll come down the interior aisles, go back up the center or the outside aisles, and an usher will be there to prompt you for that. Um, This table, this meal is available to all who profess Jesus Christ as Savior. You, if you are not a believer, we invite you to just come forward and not partake or to stay in your seat and make or make a profession of faith today. Say today, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and it's my only hope. Uh, I thought Ricky did an excellent job of talking about the ways that the Lord calls us Uh, He brings us to that point where we say, I so desperately want to believe. Just believe. Just believe that Jesus uh, died for you. So, uh, all baptized believers are welcome at this table this morning. Um, On the night that the disciples thought, Finally, we are going to get what is coming to us. Because the king of Israel is about to assume his throne. And we, as his followers, are going to be blessed to enjoy all the benefits of following the king of Israel. And Jesus, during this Passover time, 
takes the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. And in the cup, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And essentially, Jesus says, I am going to die so that you don't get what you deserve. You don't get what's coming to you. So that you might have life. And it's an odd thing that we have, that we find life through the death of the one who did not deserve to die. Those of us who deserve death are alive because of Jesus' death. And the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth in chapter 11 says, But in the following instructions I do not commend you because when you come together it is not for the better, but for the worse. They were misusing the Lord's table. For it is not in the first place Uh, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. I did not plan to read this section. So I'm just assuming that's the Holy Spirit leading me to read that. He's just essentially saying, don't take this table lightly. This is serious business. The Lord has called you to holiness And when you mess around with the table, either by making a mockery of of the body of Christ, getting drunk on the wine that is provided, it's juice here, by the way, and gluten-free bread, or by, as they did in that day, the men and women coming together at a love feast and the food being withheld from the poor because the the rich said, we are rich, which is an... An indication that God has blessed us and you were poor, which is an indication that you have sinned against God and he is judging you. And Jesus said, no, it is absolutely not that way. In fact, our only way to be rich is to be poor. No matter how much we have or don't have. So take this table seriously, but do not say, well, I, I, you know, I've, I've sinned this week. Yeah, well, that's why Jesus died. Confess your sin and be grateful for the fact that he provided his blood, uh, shed his blood. He, his body was given for you. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we're doing. We're saying to one another, we're saying to the world, we believe that Jesus will come again. And his death makes us worthy to stand in the Lord's presence. Our Father, um, we all agree 
that we look inside ourselves and we recognize not only that we're not all we ought to be, but that we're corrupt, that we're sinful to the core. We also recognize that in Christ, we are becoming more like Him, having been made partakers of the divine nature, whatever that means. So Lord, as we come to this table and we acknowledge the death of Christ, we also acknowledge our sin and confess our sins. We acknowledge that Jesus took our place and that in Him, in our belief in Him, which we affirm at this table, that we have life and we also acknowledge that we believe that you affirm life in us through Christ at this table. So may we be nourished as we partake and anticipate the second coming of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Beloved, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and, the, and lose your own stability. But grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and on the day of eternity. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.